All right, good morning, everyone. So glad that you're with us today. And uh, as we talked about last week, I mentioned that we'd probably start our messages in these series in a certain way. And so I just want to test you if you're a guest today, just kind of look to the person next to you for guidance. And so here we go. He is risen. Okay, so you got it. So there we go. So let's do it one more time. He has risen. Now, the reason that we're doing this uh, after Easter is that the Easter reality, the truth that a dead man came back to life, that's the reason we're here. Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, then we wouldn't be here today worshiping him and talking about the power that we can have through the resurrection. The early church, they use this as a phrase to one another, just of encouragement and of challenge and belief. And the early church started with a few people, and then by the fourth century, it actually taken over the whole Roman Empire and its impact. And so what we want to do is we just want to remind ourselves of the power that we have because Jesus raised from the dead in this series on the good life and what God's promised us, each one of us who follow him. So I'm just going to invite you to grab your message notes out of your program, and you can follow along today, take some notes if you want, and you can read the Bible verses that'll be here uh, as we go through this. You can open your Bible to 2 Peter. That's where we'll be today, uh, and throughout this series is looking in 2 Peter. And I just want to say, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to have one. So if you just stop on your way out today, uh, there are bookshelves by the doors, and you can pick up a Bible. We'd love to give you that Bible as a gift from us so that you can have one in your home as well. Now, even though I called the message today paying the high price, honestly, it's really part two from last week, okay? So it's part two, and I know that many of you may have missed last week, so I want to encourage you to go out and watch it because, as I said last week, both of these messages, last week and this week, are essential to us being able to understand and comprehend and then implement the things that God wants to talk to us about having the good life. And I would say that we all want the good life, right? We all want it. We all want to experience that. And so just my encouragement to you that you would go out and you would look at those things. So what I want to do is begin with our theme verse. Uh, This is John chapter 10, verse 10. And Jesus is talking to those who are his followers. So that would be for us today. For followers of Jesus, he's talking to those who have said yes to Jesus Christ for forgiveness for freedom, and for hope for the future. So he said, that'd be who he's speaking to here. And so these verses, really, this verse is really for those folks. So he says this, my purpose is to give them, that's who I just talked about, a rich and satisfying life. And I just know that we'd all want that, right? If we were, you know, to be able to choose between a rich and a satisfying life, between a poor and a sucky life, I don't think we'd choose that, right? We'd choose rich and satisfying. And so that's what we're going to look at in this series. And so I hope to explore this whole idea of the new life, the new life that's possible for us because of the resurrection and our surrender and our submission to what God wants to do in our lives. Now, our thinking really matters in this whole idea. I was reading a story about a dad whose teenage sons came home, and that day at school, they had learned that drinking fountains, there's a study done on this, okay, study, drinking fountains uh, have more bacteria in them than toilets do. 
They read the studies. They were talking about this. So they came home. They were talking about it around the table. They said, Dad, you're never going to believe this, but drinking fountains have more bacteria in them than toilets do. And there's all kinds of reasoning why. You know, the fact that you flush it more often so there's more water going through. You clean a toilet more often than you clean a drinking fountain. And on and on, all the ways that there's more bacteria in a drinking fountain than a toilet. So they were talking about this, and the little sister was sitting at the table who was about first or second grade. And her response to that was this. Really? That's great. That means I can drink out of the toilet. (laughs) That was her response. Oh, I don't think that's what they meant by the study and what they were getting at. But I share that with you today because I want to just remind us of this as we start and we just dig into this series, and especially today, that our ideas, our beliefs have consequences. What we believe to be the truth What we understand to be the truth will impact how we live and the decisions we make, and those will translate into the life we have, whether we have a good life or a not-so-good life. And nothing illustrates this better than our beliefs about what God says about the good life and what it means to experience it. Last week, I kind of set us up a little bit, talked to you about this book called The Lost Virtue of Happiness. And, uh, you know, I know we sold out of these last week. We got as many as we could this week. So there are more over there in the bookstore. I just want to encourage you that if you want this lost virtue of happiness, that you would uh, go online and maybe find a source that would help you get it sooner than we're going to get it in our bookstore, because I believe there's a limited supply. Actually, if you go to the uh, Biola EDU website, Biola EDU, uh, they have this book available there, but you pay full price. Just want you to know that, okay? So it's not any kind of shopping bargain, but full price. And we talked about this, and the idea is that in America, uh, the good life is synonymous with the happy life. It's synonymous with just being happy. And, and this book, it talks about this idea, and it says, the current understanding of happiness identifies happiness with, an, with a pleasurable feeling. And he says, when people make happiness their goal, they do not find it. And he ends that phrase with, people literally need to get a life. They need to find something bigger and more important to live for than pleasurable satisfaction. And they need to find a new strategy for daily life besides self-absorption. Besides self-absorption. Now, we're confused about this whole idea of happiness. Here's a quote from the Wall Street Journal of a recent edition. Humans don't know what they're doing. You can say we want everybody to be happy, or we want everyone to have long lives and good health, but what kind of goal is that? That's the goal of your family dog, <laughs> to be happy and to have a long life. And so we just, it's hard for us to understand what it means to be happy. And so I just want to clear it up today and talk about what does the Bible say about happiness, because our ideas really do impact our behavior. And so if we're believing the right things, then we're going to pursue the right things. And so in the book, it gives a definition. I read it to you last week, and it's on your notes. It says this, a life well lived a life of virtue and character, a life that manifests wisdom, kindness, and goodness. So that's their definition of the good life. Last week, I gave you my thoughts about this idea of what a a biblical definition of a good life would be. And it's not everything about the good life, but it's my thoughts about this. And I've also put that there for you because several people asked this after the service last week. And so I just thought I'd put it on there for your notes today. And it says this, it's a sense of well-being that results from intimacy with God and others. 
a life of integrity and character, the ability to feel compassion toward the hurting and helpless, and to have a purpose greater than self-absorption. And that's a biblical definition of the good life. Now, when I read those definitions of good life, and you're thinking right now about what you want this series to be about, I heard some community groups last week, they were kind of you know, struggling a little bit because they were thinking that, wow, he's not talking about that we're going to have more stuff. He's not talking about that our lives are going to go better. He's not talking about that everything's going to go my way. He's not talking about the fact in gives going and on. No, what I'm talking about is how we can live in the life we have and know it to be good. In the life we have and know it to be good. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, you can't get second things by putting them first. You get second things only by putting first things first. And so what we're going to do in this series, we're going to talk about what are some first things so that we can get first things in our lives and we can experience the good life. We're going to look at that over the next seven weeks together. And so I want to begin today with Second Peter. I'm going to read the verses that we looked at last week, just kind of reaffirm. And I want to uh, review a little bit about last week. Now, wonder why we would review. Well, we need to review for a couple of reasons. One is that just like I have two eyes instead of one eye, is that if I look at everything through one eye, then there's very little depth. But if I look at things through two eyes, then I have depth and I have the ability to see things differently. The other reason we have review is because all of a sudden we hear things in a new way. You've been processing this week or you've, maybe this is your first time and you're going to get in on where we're going. So let's look at these verses. Verse 1. This letter is from Simon Peter. So we talked about the fact that it was written by Peter, the same one who you know denied Jesus and then hung out with Jesus, was redeemed by Jesus, and then commissioned by Jesus to go out and be his emissary, his missionary in the world. A slave, so meaning that he was a servant and an apostle. And so what we talked about last week is that that helps us all to be included here because there's no hierarchy in faith. We all belong, no matter who we are or what we've done. I'm writing to you, share the same precious faith. That word precious means potent or you know, strong, the ability to make change. Uh, and he says this, this faith with faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more. You might just underline that more and more phrase. Uh, that's a phrase that we're going to you know, consider today as we talk about what he wants to do in us. Grace and peace as you grow, that's the key word, grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That's the phrase you want to highlight, underline, star, asterisk, everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. So we experience him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Once again, that word precious means potent promises that if I will live by those promises, they have the power to change my life. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. So that's the first part of the good life. I'm going to share his divine nature. It doesn't mean I'm going to become a God. I'm not going to become a God. I'm going to become like God in character, and I'm going to escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So I'm going to now live in a way that I'm no longer making decisions that are going to cause me to have consequences that really stink. 
I'm going to escape this path that I've been on of those kinds of consequences, and therefore my life is going to be better. So I'm going to give you the three things we talked about last week. You're going to write them down right there in those three blanks. First is we're talked about we're going to establish our position. If I'm going to know the good life, I need to establish my position. And that position means that I've said yes to Jesus Christ and his offer of forgiveness and freedom and a future with him. So I've said yes to him, and so now I'm in right relationship. Before I say yes to him, I'm separated from God because of my sin. And then once I say yes to him, now I move into right relationship with him. And we said that's justification. I just, you know, sometimes I need to give you the words that are more technical because we need to understand technical words. And even if you don't know it today, you go home and Google it today. What does justification mean? It means being made right with God. And so what that means is, is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took the punishment that I deserved and that you deserved for the things we had done wrong on himself. That's justification. And then that made us right with God. And then the follow-up to that substitution is that at that same moment, I would be able to receive the blessings that were due Jesus Christ for the life that he lived. And we know that from the Bible, the, life says, the Bible says he lived a perfect life, and therefore he would have gained all of the blessings of heaven. And because of what he did, those blessings are for me. That's what he's given me, is the blessings of heaven from that place. So that's my position. I'm in Christ. Next, we need to embrace God's power. Embrace his power. Now, this is all about grace. All about us being able to receive by grace, but then also we have to live by grace. And so we used a quote last week, and I had several of you give me comments, so I thought I'd bring it back this week in review. And the quote was this from Dallas Willard, and he says this. He says, when it comes to living the life of a follower of Christ, this is after I've received grace and uh, at my salvation moment, when I've been made right with him in justification, after that moment... He says, when it comes to living life as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to burn through grace like a jet burns through jet fuel. And I think he even makes reference to on takeoff. You think about how much fuel it takes a jet at takeoff. That's what we need to be doing in our lives. We need to be burning through grace in that way. And God gives us his power in the form of grace. So what we have to do is we have to realize that when God said, I'm going to make you right with me, by my son dying on the cross, that that wasn't just the point where we stop, where all of a sudden then we, you know, the ticket counter clicks out a ticket and we take our ticket out and then we walk back to our chair and we sit down and we clutch our ticket to heaven and then we live the rest of our lives just clutching our ticket to heaven. That wouldn't require any grace. So what he says, is, you know, what Dallas wants to get across and what I want to get across today is, yes, we have access to heaven and God says he wants us to live a life for him today, and we can live a good life today. We don't have to just wait for heaven to have a good life. We can have it today, and we get that through being empowered by grace. And then last, we must experience God's promises. That's what we talked about the last thing, and that means that we trust that when God says it, he means, he means it, and that he's going to do what he says, and if I build my life on his promises, then I'm going to have peace. So grace and peace, I'm going to experience that through his power and his promises in my life. Okay. So that was just review from last week. Some of you were here last week saying, I don't remember any of this. And so I just want to encourage you that, uh, that you want to reflect on what we talk about during the week. That's why 
Uh, I love our community group. In our community group, we do what we call message-based homework. And every week on the inside of your notes, there's some homework written by uh, Mark Hadley and our writing team. And just want to encourage you that that's a great way for you to stay connected during the week and to not just let this time be your only time that you hear and reflect on these things, but you can have more. Okay, backside of your notes, let's talk about today, part two of this idea of living the good life. And the first idea that Peter's going to share with us is I need to stand with confidence. I need to stand with confidence. And what he says here is he begins verse 5a by saying, in view of all of this. Now, what I want to say to us today is I just said all that. Okay, that's why I did the review today. In view of all of this, that we have been given right standing with God. And when we're in that right standing with God, he's promised us his grace, his power to change, his grace and power to live. He's promised us through his word that when we live by what he says, and this is key, folks, when we live by what he says, how many have ever paid the price of not living by what he says? Let's just be honest. Okay. When we live by what he says, we will have peace. So in light of all this, then I can stand with confidence. We talk about the fruit of the, I mean, talk about the uh, spiritual armor in Ephesians chapter 6. And one of the elements of the spiritual armor is the, gospel, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And my view of that, because it's open to you know, some interpretation here, my view of that is it's like the soldiers had these you know, army honking boots, and they were uh, designed in such a way, in fact, that they might have even had cleats on them so that they could stand, or ridges at least, so that they could stand secure in battle because it was all hands, you know, hand-fighting battle. As I, my picture of this is I'm standing firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ, and I've got my boots on, and I can stand with confidence no matter what life throws at me. And so we can do that. You can do that. You can be confident no matter what life, you can have joy no matter what life is throwing you at the moment. You can experience the good life even when your life is not looking good. You can stand in confidence. Second is this, engage with diligence. Engage with diligence. And so this is where I was thinking about the idea of paying the high price is that I must, if I'm going to experience the good life, I have to engage and I have to do it diligently. So he goes on to say, make every effort. So you might just circle that, every effort. Those are the key words. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. So what he's wanting us to know and what I'm going to challenge us with, and I'm challenging myself with in this as well, is that we must pursue our spiritual development and growth with every degree of strength that we have. Now, how many of us, when it comes time to pursuing spiritual growth, we real and be honest, we give it the leftovers of our life. You know, we have all these important things to do, right? The tyranny, the urgent, it doesn't go away. It's always just this, like this. How many of us realize that if I'm going to experience the good life, that's going to require for me to give a diligent effort to give myself? Spiritual growth is not a passive activity. Where I, you know, I kind of just sit back and I've got my ticket to heaven and now I come to church for an hour and a half a week and I've 
clutch my ticket to heaven when I come in, and I'm just so happy for the fact that I get to go to heaven. And somehow I think that because I'm sitting there in a church clutching my ticket to heaven that I'm going to be transformed to be like Jesus. No, it requires effort. Uh, I was having a conversation with my spiritual mentor and coach on Wednesday, and we're talking about this whole concept because I'm struggling to try to understand it fully myself. And where do I, you know, where my engagement, where God's engagement, and how do I change, and how am I, uh, um, how am I transformed? And he said something to me. He said, "Well, he said you got to remember that God is truly sovereign." And in charge of all things. So that's one side of the coin. He's truly sovereign in charge of all things. Now, some of us would think because he's truly sovereign in charge of all things, that that means I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. And, but he says that and, he has a big and in there, because it's, it's not either or, it's and. He expects us to be fully engaged in the process of being formed in the image of Jesus Christ. So he doesn't want us just to know Jesus as far as being able to come into relationship. He wants us to grow to be like Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. So in other words, spiritual growth is not just let go and let God. You know, you hear that phrase? I'm just going to let go and I'm going to let God. Well, that, that does have some relevance in certain t- places and certain applications, but not when it comes to spiritual growth. I can't just let go and let God. And it doesn't just mean if it's meant to be, it's up to me. You know, there's other people on the flip side of that. They say, well, well you know what? I realize that God calls me to do something. So if it's, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And so what they do is they just grow, go, 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 go. And thinking that if the more I do, the more like Jesus, I'm actually going to become. What God wants us to realize, it's both. It's both. It requires God's sovereign power at work in me, where he does what he chooses to do, and my best effort. I must rely on God, and I must do what he's asked me to do. It's both. So the good life happens, and it it involves me doing what God's called me to do in relationship with him as he's doing what he's going to do. So it's kind of that whole idea. And it, you know, it requires both uh, his power and my power. Now, we get all confused here, and we say, well, grace, Ron, grace says is, is God's gift to me. And so, therefore, grace is earned. Uh, grace is given, not earned. And I love Dallas Willard again. He clarifies things. He clarified things so much when he was living. He said something like this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's just opposed to earning. It's just opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude where I do what I do to get something. Effort is an action where I do what I do because of my love relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it is. See, we're not saved by works, but we're saved with works. We're saved to do things that he's called us to do. So this week in your message-based homework... Uh, Pastor Mark, I talked to him, and he's put some verses in there that you can look at, several verses from the New Testament, which talk about uh, God's responsibility and our responsibility and our spiritual development. Now, in this category, I want to give you another one of those words, okay? This is a, a word you need to know. It's the word sanctification. Sanctification. So you might want to just think about that today as you go home. But here's what Pastor Wayne Grudem, he defines sanctification this way. It's the progressive work of God and man. So progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free of sin and more and more like Jesus in our actual lives. And so that's a great definition for the good life right there. 
more and more free of sin and more like more and more like Jesus in our actual lives. So in order to be sanctified or changed to be more and more free of sin and more and more like Jesus in our lives, I must make every effort and I must exercise my faith. So it's justification, I'm made right with him, and it's sanctification, I work and I give my effort in uh, partnership with God, we're going to talk about that in a minute, in helping me to grow to be like Christ. That's why uh, when I was thinking about how do I define the good life, well, God's grace plus my effort equals the good life. God's grace plus my effort equals the good life. My diligence equals the good life. So I want to go to this next idea because I've already mentioned it's about cooperating with him. It's all about what we do, but we're doing this whole thing together. So we need to cooperate with eagerness. It's the third idea. Cooperate with eagerness. And this is what he says. 5C through 7. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and with love for everyone. So I want you to circle that word supplement, and I want to talk about that for a minute. That word supplement, as we view it today, is misleading. In our culture today, when we say the word supplement, most of us immediately think of something I take, a pill I take, to make me you know, improve my health or improve my performance in some way, right? We think of supplement being a pill I take to improve my health or improve my performance. So what we do when we read this verse, and we read supplement, so I need a supplement, is we read that to say, God, just give me a magic pill. We're all looking for the magic bullet, right? We're all looking for the magic pill because we don't want to do the work. We don't want to do the effort, but it's going to require. We, and the other reason we want a magic pill, if you're like me, you want instant results with minimal effort, right? Instant results with minimal effort. And, you know, just look at your health. Just look at your finances. Just look at your relationships. You want instant gratification with minimal effort efforts. We want a magic pill. So let me just help you to understand what the word supplement means here. The word supplement, uh, and we'll give you some uh, kind of synonyms. It means to adorn, means to add to, means to furnish, or I came up with this one, accessorize. <laughs> accessorize. So just thinking about the ladies in the room, it means to accessorize, okay, that we would do that. So kind of this, I'm going to give you some pictures here, take, thinking the idea of furnish. So you got this before and after picture. So this before picture of an empty living room, this is when you've said yes to Jesus Christ, and now you're standing in a room by faith, and then now I've furnished it, okay? So now I've accessorized my home so that it is now, feels like, is a home. Another one just kind of gives you the same example. We've got the before. Unfurnished, I've said yes, this is by faith. I step into my home, I own it. And now what I do is I accessorize it and I furnish it. And we're going to look in this series at the furnishings that God wants in your home, that the accessories that he wants on your body that would help you to be and live the good life he's called you to live. So Peter says that this is what's going to happen when you do that. And I'm just going to walk through the things that were in that list because this is the rest of our series, okay? So it's going to walk through it today. You can just look at your Bible verse there. In fact, why don't you bring that Bible verse back up, if you would, Jessica, uh, that we just read. 
There we go. Supplement your faith. I'm going to walk through those categories or those accessories and just kind of look at this. First, he said, you will grow in moral excellence. And that's next week. And moral excellence means goodness. And it means that you will seek the common good for others. And so that's a great thing to have for Mother's Day, you know, as we talk for mothers and help them to see what, how do I, you know, be a good mom and, and by, with grace and effort, be a good mom. And then for the goodness of my home. Next is knowledge. And so this is different from the knowing of experience that uh, we can look at. There were two words, knowledge and know, in the first part of Peter, where it really was talking about the intimate relationship I have, and I know because I'm in a relationship. This is talking more about information. And so I need knowledge, I need information about God so that I can be able to make decisions that are in alignment with what God says. Next is self-control, and this is the power to say no to yourself. And I would say that, just personally speaking, from my vantage point and from my own life, that this is something that Americans really need. I really need this idea of self-control. And the goal is to move from self-control to spirit control. Next is patient endurance. And so this means perseverance. And what, this, it, what it really is talking about is the ability to hold on and stay strong in the face of difficulty. So we can, as I said earlier, we can have the good life even when our life is not good. So we can do that when things are heavy. Next is godliness. And what this means is, is that that I will exhibit the character of God. I won't become God, but I will exhibit the character of God in my life. And then brotherly affection and this will be on Father's Day, actually. We're going to talk about brotherly affection, talking about men and our need for man relationships and to have bros we hang with. And so this will be what we're talking about, how brotherly affection. And then the last one is love for everyone. Now, you might think, you might just go ahead and underline that today. Love for everyone. That's the key. It's easy to love people that you like, right? It's easy to love people that are like you, but God calls us to love, have agape love for everyone. So that's what we're going to look at. That's our course that we're going to do. I'll call it the course, the curriculum for the good life. We're accessorizing my life, furnishing my life so that it is good and it is godly, which means it has the character of God. Okay, fourth idea is this. I'm going to wrap up. I need to grow with consistence. And for the, anyone who understands the English language, you'll know that consistence isn't a word. That's why in my, when I typed it out, it had this little red squiggly line underneath it, and I ignored it because I know more than my red squiggly lines do. And so I just said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Increased with it, consistency or consistently, but I just had to have my all the way through for my four you know, points. So I had to break grammar rules in order to do that. Okay, so um, you guys, anybody watched Prince Caspian, a movie written uh, uh, that was from a, a book, the Narnia books written by C.S. Lewis and Prince Caspian? Well, in this movie, uh, the, there's been a lot of difficulty that's gone on uh, in the lives of the four characters who were uh, being transported from England into this magical land of Narnia. And so uh, they are in a time uh, distraught, a time of distress, a time where it looks like there's not going to be any help. Well, there's another character in the movie, Aslan. Aslan is a lion, and Aslan represents God, okay? It represents God, and so you got to know these are stories that are written to give a spiritual lesson. Well, I want to show you a scene right now 
that shows uh, what happened when Lucy, the youngest character, uh, has an experience where she sees Aslan after this long period of time when Aslan's appeared to be gone and what happens in this experience. Let's watch this. That's the point I want you to get. Every year you grow, so shall I. Now, God didn't get bigger. What happened was, the more I grow, the bigger God becomes to me. And as God is bigger to me, then the more I'm going to trust him, the more I'm going to embrace him, the more I'm going to surrender to him, the more I'm going to listen to him, the more I'm going to follow him because I trust that he has my best interest in mind and he's able and capable of taking care of all things. And so what I want us to do in this series is learn how we grow so that as we grow, God looks bigger and bigger to us. And as he is the biggest thing to us, then we will truly live the good life. Look at what Peter says. He says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard, kind of that whole diligent idea, work hard to prove that you're really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance and to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's when that ticket's going to be, you know, cashed, and I'm going to be in heaven, I have this grand entrance to be with him. And God calls us to grow consistently. So what that means to me is progressive, and I'm going to use another term to help us today, organic. It means progressive and organic. It's consistent and it's natural. So a baby grows consistently. You expect a baby to grow consistently, right? Chase, you've got a baby, and you see your baby grow. And you're not having to get up every day and go into, into you know, Evangeline's room and say, I want you to grow today. No, she's growing on her own. You don't have to do that. When my son Ryan was a little guy, I think he's about three. So uh, we would go into his room at night. We'd go through the nighttime routine. And as we would leave his room, as we were getting ready to shut his door so that he would go to sleep and we'd go around to do the rest of the things that we were going to do, he would say, Keck me every time. Keck me. And what that meant for his little three-year-old vocabulary was check me. Check me. What he wanted as we were walking out the door, he wanted assurance that mom and dad, before they went to bed, would come back to his room and check him to make sure that everything was okay. So we'd walk out of the room. He would say, keck me, keck me. Now, that was so cute. I need to tell you. So cute when he was three. (laughs) 
But he, if he called us every night from college and said, keck me, it's no longer cute, folks. <laughs> he has to grow out of that. Here's what he had to do. He had to grow to the place in his development where he could comfort himself with his own thoughts and his own beliefs. Comfort himself with his own thoughts and beliefs. Now, that didn't happen overnight. In fact, as, honestly, we never did sit down with him maybe when he was five and said, Ryan, when you're 20, you need to stop this. <laughs> you know, we never did say that. Didn't do that. What happened is he grew out of it. He grew out of it as he grew in his understanding of life. So it happens progressively, but it also happens naturally or organically. Now, we need to understand this because this is the hard thing. When we go through this list, we're not saying that you need to work hard to put self-control on. Because, you know, I can try to put self-control on and self-control can keep saying, and you can look and I can have shoved self-control onto me and I still won't be self-controlled. It has to come from the inside out. It's organic in nature. He says you'll be productive and you will grow like this. The idea is this. Lifeless things can't grow. If you have a pile of rocks and you put more rocks on it, you say that the pile has grown. If you have a building and you put more steel and you put more structure on, and as it's going up, you're saying that building has grown. Mechanical things require something from the outside to be put on them in order to grow. But organic things require from the inside to grow. Babies grow from the inside. Plants grow from the inside. As organically, they are putting themselves in a place, in a position, or have been put in a place in a position where they're getting all the strength they need, they're getting all the nourishment they need, so that over time, progressively, they grow into complete maturity. And that's what God wants for us. I'm not going to call us in this series to say, gosh, you guys, you need to do more. Because some of us are already doing too much. And we think that's all the Christian life is. It's just do, do, do. And as we do more, do more, do more, we're going to be more, be more, be more. But what happens is we end up burned out. Look at this verse. I'm going to put this verse on here. I want to close with this. Hebrews 4, jumping out of 2 Peter. Hebrews 4, it says this. There's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best. If you wanted to use the same term, let us make every effort. Let us do our best. Let us make every effort to enter that rest. What I want to close with today is most people base their acceptance by God on their efforts, on their efforts. And the struggle we have, and I just say it's the struggle I have after 23 years of being a pastor, of walking with Christ, is that I want to do this to have this. And God says, if you will deepen your roots into me, you will have this. But that's just so foreign to us. And it's a mystery. And so in this series, I'm just going to ask you to walk with me in mystery. As every week, we're going to talk about how can we engage with God in a way that this fruit just kind of pops out, kind of happens, that my empty room gets furnished, that my body gets accessorized.
Okay, let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for the opportunity we've had to hear from you. Thank you for everyone in the room. I just thank you for their attentiveness today. Lord, I know that, uh, that they're here just like me. We want you, God. We want to be able to have the power to face our circumstances. We want to have peace in, when life's not good. We want to have the knowledge it's going to take to help us to have the wisdom we need to navigate through the waters of life, God. And Lord, I just go back to the beginning. What we believe impacts our behavior. And what I want to say today is that we believe the good life is possible. We believe that you've called us to it. We believe that you've empowered us to experience it. Now, God, we want to surrender ourselves to you in this progressive. So some of us can have grace toward ourselves today. It's progressive. That you don't have to be all the way yet. Progressive and it's organic. And so, God, I pray that you would instill in us, inspire us, and, Father, that you would walk with us as we move toward the good life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.